uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the kind of company of believers in this town that we have fellowship across the uh, lines of the different fellowships and, and just a mindfulness of your word. We'd ask that you would keep us those kind of believers and also that we'd raise our children to be those kind of believers. Uh, trusting you for your word. In your son's name we pray. Amen. In case you can't read the top of the sheet, it says Psalm 146. Really big type for the rest of the ten verses long. Your heart is soaring. You say, this is confusing to me, Evan. Ten verses, really big font. But there's still a lot of notes on the side. Could you correct that, perhaps? Can you imagine coming in two-verse sermon and over on the left-hand side just say, and stuff. Hasn't happened yet. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. Oh, it's great, great stuff, great poetry, great sense of something that you feel that's religious. David's saying, it doesn't make it clear this is one of David's psalms, probably. David's saying uh, that he's got this urge for something. What's the... If I were a relevant pastor, what would I say? I have a need for more cowbell. And everybody would, oh yeah, I understand now, pastor, what it means to need to praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have being. My existence is defined front to back, top to bottom, side to side, durationally, as long as I am as an agent, I will praise the Lord. In fact, praise the Lord is such a, a, a what was it, wasn't there a TV show way back, or PTL, it was for P Praise the Lord uh, TV show, like the 700 Club or something like that. This, all this could really get lost. And I, I noticed, as you can tell, I bolded my God. Because the question, if you're looking at this going, I, I wonder what it's like to feel that. This is not feeling this way after some song leader has worked you into a frenzy and you're leaping pews one hand shooting up in the air like it was going out of style. This has to do with you, your being, front to back, side to side, end to end, and durationally, is defined by this desire to praise God. While I have being, as long as I live. 
I suppose it matters who that would you say, my God, what do you mean? Because he's not saying, my God, to inform you of who the God is. He's saying, I have selected a God from the gods. I was thinking of 1 Corinthians 8, verse... uh, Five, for although there are, there may be many, excuse me, while there may be so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. For us, Paul has made it very clear who the God is. Well, so has David, the psalmist here, right there on the, on the page, we don't see it because we have, again, religion has stepped in and put a distance between you and the living God. The text says, praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh, O my soul. I will praise Yahweh as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God, who he has just told you the name of three times. There's no, no confusion anymore. It's not like, uh, do you believe in it? Yahweh is the God. And we put the Lord in there of some sort of faux reverence. A traditional reverence. Have you ever seen this in an old uh, essay or, or document from maybe the 1800s, 1700s? Even the word God in English text would be capital G dash D. Oh yeah. Like we do with swear words now. I won't even I won't even give you a but it's dot 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 and you count the number of dots. You look at the beginning letter and the end letter. Hmm. Oh that swear word. And since we reverence certain swear words, we want to use them so we put them in there. This artificial piety keeping us from knowing our God. Because David's going, my God, I'm going to, this is my God. I told you his name three times. He had told Moses, this is my name. This is how I'm to be remembered. All the generations of man. This is how I ought to be remembered. And no one remembers. Now, when you're asked who is your God, and it isn't Yahweh, not because you have any objection to Yahweh. I made some notes here on the left-hand side. And I sort of want to have you feel, you've got some things to add here about how you're viewing God. Because if you want to stand where the psalmist stands and go, I will praise the Lord all of my life. If you think that's an admirable place to be, Having less than Yahweh, I have here, he's the head of the Christian, Christian pantheon. You ever have that sensation that that's your relationship to God? It's, and not that we have a lot of gods, but there's, you know, there's Jesus. And there's, because some of you are a little confused about the Trinity. And don't we have three gods? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father? And somebody says, no, of course we don't. It's such, 
and it confuses you more. But whatever the case, you've got this, this tidy myth that God is the head of. And then there are all the beautiful legends of the church down through the ages, and the rituals that you could do, that you could really get into, because people will serve. Well, that uh, the passage I just read to you was about eating food offered to idols out of Corinthians 8. And he says, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But if I stand up here in a robe and do a few moves over a loaf of bread, because you're an idiot, you'll believe it does. Not you, particularly you. You as the average superstitious. Oh, love those rituals. That's so right. Could you do that again? Food does not commend us to God. You're no better off if you eat it, no worse off if you don't. Some people have a, a philosophic connection or, or handling of God. They think God has to be the greatest thing I could say. And that's who my God is. When I say God, I mean it's the biggest thing I can imagine. I'll just use omni words to describe him. He's omni this, he's omni that. I could be talking complete nonsense. I could be saying things that are mutually exclusive. But as long as I, what's the word, embiggen? Is that a word? If I embiggen it, and the more I am, if I infinitely embiggen it, and I say God is infinitely big, I don't care if it makes no sense at all. I just want him to be the title holder of that slot, higher than which I cannot describe. Some people, for you, it's just he replaces Santa. Some of you, you just need a God to post an ethical demand on somebody else's forehead. Because God said so, it's wrong. Whether it's abortion, or whether it's homosexuality, or whether it's excessive taxation by the federal government. Whatever the sin is. You want to, because he said so, part to your argument. <coughs> you don't want to ever be caught. You don't want to ever be caught in that awful situation where the atheist realizes there is no, absolutely no way he can morally object to anything. You don't ever want to be in that situation. That has got to just rip the guts out of a thinking person. So you don't. You say, no, I'm a, I believe in God. God is the purveyor of ethical... But he's more there as the, the, the fill-in-the-blank need for your ethical argument. You need an ethical argument more than you need a God. Or he just fills... The God-shaped, ever hear that one? The God-shaped void. I think that was Pascal, was it? I don't know if it had anything to do with his wager. But uh, I think that's, 
as, as kind of tent. Some people look at the God-shaped void. You know, every man has a God-shaped void. It's like a jigsaw puzzle piece that only God fits. Try to fill it up with other things. And you know, that's sort of the kind of parable people can pick up on. Oh, yeah, it fits. I know what it's like when you're putting a puzzle together in a blue sky section of the puzzle and you found another blue that was off the boat and the piece almost fits. If you get a hammer, it's going to fit. So you, you understand that, but again, is, God is the source of ethics. God does fit the piece or the space, but sometimes our God isn't, we're not handling it in such a way that it's making you sing praises to him as long as you live, as long as you have being. When you don't have a God that has adequately stepped into the role of the divine, you may have everything right about him. In other words, your definitions of the ethical things about the Christian pantheon or the rituals or the legends, and he does replace Santa, and he does fill the void and all the rest, but you came to those conclusions about him for all the wrong reasons. All the undivine, I realize I'm dealing with a God here. I don't have that sense of praise, nor do I have that sense of control that God has or God offers. And consequently, given that we have uh, a need for control in our life, we've got to trust somebody else because the God that is this pantheon, the head of the pantheon and the, the purveyor of ethics and the void filler of, the, of your life and so you don't feel like at a loss and so you, have, you can talk spiritually about things, that doesn't really pull you to sing of him. I was talking to my dad about his funeral the other day. Not that he's really actually on the edge, but he's 88 for heaven's sake. He's going to go on to be with the Lord anytime. So we're talking about what he wants in his funeral. We're, in spite of what my wife says, we're going to sing... Is it to God be the glory? It's the, uh, not the coronation. Crown him him with many crowns. No. What do you? Oh, thank you. All hail the power, which most of you sing the coronation tune. Jim Wilson and Evan Wilson both prefer the diadem tune. My wife does not. But at the funeral, it's going to be the diadem tune. Prepare yourself. Whatever you need to get over. Because we love singing the diadem tune. I remember singing it in a phone booth in the Navy. I go across the street from the barracks and sing in the phone booth. Uh, I had a little university hymn books I'd take over there. Just me, not a group of us. Um... But you want to be praising God. You don't want to be the kind of person who, well, I'm, not, I'm just not a singer. You mean you're just not a believer? 
Didn't ask if you were good at it. Didn't ask if David could have been just a poor Middle Eastern going on about everything. They don't sing well, really. What kind of music is Hebrew music in 1000 BC? Can't have developed that much. Probably no beat at all. But he doesn't ask that. It's his God that brings him to praise God. I will sing praises. Some things... Have you ever been in love? You've heard of women, perhaps? Well, they're cute. And they cause our brains to turn to scrambled egg. And we write poetry about them, about rhyming their eyes with... What else would you rhyme? I don't want... Uh, <laughs> what an awful church you go to well you write poetry about women you love because nothing prose can't pick it up you don't sit down at your journal and go, I kind of like this girl she's real pretty I'm going to put date it <laughs> well yeah you don't like her much you write a sonnet, for heaven's sake. Fourteen lines on that babe. If you have a God, it's the same way. If you have a divine being to whom you have not, you have not relegated him to the definitional, need-based, it fixed some things that were weak in my philosophy, it fixed some things that were weak in my ethical systems, um, it's good for the kids to have Jesus rather than Santa, isn't that more appropriate? No, you're in love, for heaven's sake. This is a God. This is a certain God. When I don't have that, when I don't have that, when I think it's occupied, because I, I used him for all sorts of things, but it didn't affect me. I didn't really... Um, what was that? I think it was, was C.S. Lewis. I sometimes read C.S. Lewis. Um, talked about the person who spoke of his the nature of his love for a particular woman didn't understand what love was I'll have to go back and read that section again we sometimes protest that I've got a big definition for God my God's bigger than your God now are you singing are you smiling when you think of her? Do you sing when you think of God? Because if you don't, verse 3, you say to yourself, now I see what he's done to me. Big type. It's taken him 20 minutes to get to verse 3. There are seven more verses. And I can do the math. It'll pick up. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no help. When his breath departs, he returns to his earth on that very day. His plans perish. Because what are you going to do? If God's not there, lording it over the universe, 
with a sense that you have that yes, that's a, a true and actual providential present concern. God is living. God is acting. I need some help figuring things out. I need help with my taxes. And I need help getting through town in a car because if the cops did not organize things, we'd be in a lot of trouble. We start filling up guidance in our life. And you say, well, is there any problem with the cops having... No, great, glad they did it. Thankful when I'm sitting in a stoplight. But once I get into the practice of trusting princes, I start trusting the princes when I ought to have trusted God. I just get into, well, God has only occupied a bunch of definitional things in my life. I don't even call him Yahweh. I call him God. Germanic word, I believe. Lord, which is a title. In case you're wondering why I say that about Yahweh and the Lord, if you haven't heard me say it before, I know I've mentioned it repeatedly. Anytime, generally in Bible texts, where it's capital O-R-D, all caps, some cases lowercase caps, but always caps, and they do it sometimes with the word God, that means that's where the tetragrammaton, the, the name of God, was in the text. But they didn't translate it. They just put Lord there, or God there. If you don't have a God that has, you know, where your meditations on him have brought you to singing, you don't have a key element in your life packed, you know, fulfilling what it's supposed to fulfill. Someone to run to, someone to trust. So we trust in our princes. You'll watch a commercial and believe it. And they'll tell you, you'll be happier if you have this. If you get a better hotel room through Trivago. I don't know what else is out there. I see that commercial a lot. Everything they do, every advice they give, every plan they make perishes when they die. Every man has plans, right? That's what our wills are for. But that exists as long as you live and only as long as you live. These are princes, these are agents that have as much futility in their life as you have in yours. Don't put your trust in princes. Now, our trust in the experts. <clears throat> I made a comment here on the left-hand side where it says he is Yahweh. And I say, is that awkward? Does it make him too local? Does makes him not as big in your sensation of devout gas steaming upward? We, we'd like to have our God really kind of impersonally great. Impersonally, not actually someone who... Even in, in, even in Trinitarian theology, they make God what? Not who. They want to think of the persons of the Trinity as who, and for the sake of their arguments that are too nuanced, they don't even think of God as who anymore, is what, is kind, 
And the more unidentifiable, the more I uh, keep him vague, the more room I have for experts, the princes who I can trust. And you're looking down into the grave that is holding the expert. And how's that plan working out for you now? Because no matter what, this world is killing you. It's really good at it. I mean, it's batting 1,000. It really is. There is no hope. I tell young couples, because I'm a romantic, that you're going to get to watch your spouse die. One of you is going to watch the other one die. You didn't know that? You didn't know you were all going to die? No, our love is eternal. The Mormons, if the Mormons were right, yeah, but they're not. Your love's not eternal. There's no marriage or given a marriage in heaven. You're going to watch her die, or she's going to watch you die. Probably that one. Women live longer. Eat better. We're all going to die. All of your plans are going to die with you. And all the people you trusted, how's that working out for you now? Chaos, work them over. Is there any hope in that? I mean, that sounds to me really depressing. I don't care how good the commercial was. And I've seen some great commercials. I love good commercial writing. I, I also hate it when you notice that every vague obfuscation of what their claim is exists in the commercial. Has been known, it has been known to support a better immune you mean it's like food? You took this pill because it's like food? Because food supports an immune system. Breathing supports an immune system. That's just, some people are really admirable for their just their ability to lie so well. What are we about though? We're not about that. I want to let you know where the psalmist suggests your heart ought to be. What does he say? Don't put your trust in princes. I'm praising the Lord front to back, top to bottom, side to side, day after day. Because verse 5, happy is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Happy is that person. Now, I was also, we were at Graham and Rachel's the other night for dinner, really good beef stew. Big chunks of dead cow floating in a broth. And Dad was eating with us, and we were talking... He was telling stories, is what was going on. Um, someone asked him why he was 88. How did he make it to 88? You know, yeah, I always ask old people that. How did you live so long? Well, bacon and whiskey. Why do you ask? My father was a bit more of a purist. I don't, did never smoked. I said, oh, father. Of course, I'm not 88. He's 88. He used to exercise, and I said, enhance your blown out knees. Because we were, you know, this is a Wilson dinner. 
nothing gets out of here alive. <laughs> and he says, I'm not anxious. I don't worry about anything. And what, what would you give to not be anxious? What would you describe not anxiety? I'd call it happy, right? I'm not worried about a thing. What does that mean? I'm happy. Because I'm happy, happiness, I think Aristotle thought that was the highest end of man. I say it's peace because I think they're the same thing. I think that's what you feel. When, when nothing threatens, when the things that threaten don't matter, you're happy. And it's obviously whose help is the God of Jacob. It's not that you don't need help in life. Sure you need help. I have a choice of trusting the princes who are going to die in the middle of their advice giving or the God of Jacob. It's where you turn. If you say, whose help is the God of Jacob? You can measure yourself. We don't have to, you know, we don't have a board of elders here wearing black robes that will show up at your house going, time for annual evaluations. We're going to find out just how happy you are and if you deserve to be on the All Souls team. Yeah, run your own life. Live with yourself with the decisions you make. But check, run the dipstick in. Do you know when you need help, does the back of your, your this is called a knee here, and this part bends back here. And when it bends here, this goes forward. And if you bend them both at the same time, you find yourself what's called on your knees. You say, well, do you have to be on your knees? No. It's a metaphor. It's a way of speaking. But do you take it to God? Is your help the God of Jacob? Do you think that prayer, where I turn, all of us need to learn that, whose hope is in the Lord his God. It's not just where I turn, but from whence I have positive expectation. Right? What's my hope in? If I'm waiting, I don't just take it to God, I'm looking out that line for the answer to come back. That which the future holds, hope is the positive expectation of the future, is it in God. My mother used to tell me that <coughs> it was always... as she prayed for things, because she was married to Jim Wilson, and we were always praying for things, and uh, she would always try to write how God was going to fulfill that prayer. A little fiction in her mind. You know, he'll probably have so-and-so give us, you know, maybe that'll be how it works. We find ourselves even in the answer to prayer. We prayed about it, we took it to God, and then we have this way we want to go trust in princes. We want to look out the window a certain direction for a certain kind of answer at a certain time. And she said God would always answer it and it would always be wonderful and, and it was never something she could think of. I 
my father told me a story. Don't ever go over there. He'll tell you stories. Give you books. Telling the story how God answered a prayer. He had all of his job as a gunnery officer on his destroyer. Then you have watch to stand in the Navy. It's, that's just the plague. You always have to stand a watch. So four hours on watch every day, eight to ten hours on the job. Then you had to sleep and eat, and there was no time to get your Bible reading done, no time to do, have any kind of meditation on the things of God. And he, was, and he asked God, God, I, is there some way I can get time with you? And in a half hour, woken out of a dead sleep by somebody saying, the captain wants to see you, and he is annoyed. He was so annoyed with my father, for some reason my father doesn't remember, he was confined to his room until he was released. Under, you might say, house arrest. Jim Wilson, under arrest, on board ship, couldn't do a thing except sit there and read the scriptures. God answered it by kidding him, you know. We look to God in our hope. Is our positive expectation. We're seeing things come through positively. And if you ever struggle with Thanksgiving, a lot of it is you weren't looking for God to do something. You see something happen naturally. The captain puts you in quarters. It's called being in hack. And you don't see it as from the Lord. Is, is he our help? Is he our hope? who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. No, really. Not just the Christian explanatory metaphor for how really sciencey things did it. No, sciencey things didn't do it. The living God did it. Who keeps faith forever. He has an integrity because he is someone who can have an integrity. He's not a void-filling puzzle piece. He is not a gas steaming upward. He is someone who can have an expectation that his word matters to him. Who executes justice for the oppressed. I like that. Executes. We usually like to say they were executed, or plan yeah, plans are executed. Consequently, you look at that. You say not only does he care about his identity and who he is in the circumstance, does he keep faith with himself? Does he? He's not able to deny himself, but he's looking at you too, because he kind of cares if he made this world. He's not functioning in some sciency world where the sciencey stuff made a world and then God showed up and said, oh good, a world in which I could be and do God things. Because when God makes the world, it's his world. Not when accident and time and chemistry made a world and then a God showed up and claimed it because he was the biggest. He wants his world to be a certain way. He does not like it when it's not. He cares that you ruin his world. Who gives food to the hungry. 
He is kind. The benevolence of God, regardless of even people being nasty, I have that phrase there, kind to the ungrateful and the selfish, that's God's heart to everybody. He gives everybody rain. He gives everybody the pleasures of life, food and sex and, and sunsets and music and all the rest. You can't stare out your eyes without seeing a miracle in front of you. Have you noticed that this fall? Just looking at the weather, just been, you sit on the porch and stare, and you can't. The eye sees, but is never filled. And the ear hears, but is never satisfied. That's what our God has given us. A, a eternal, well, maybe not eternal, a 80-year pleasure sink. It just keeps coming in. All of that doesn't go to some place in your head that Oh, it's all blocked up. We can't get any more stuff in here. Can't load another photograph. You go blind because all of your memories have eaten up all your brain space. I can't see. We'll download some things. Forget some things. No. It just, it just goes out into nothing. You saw it. I see you guys and I forget you immediately. <laughs> I try. I try to. God is good to everything. This is who he is. Yahweh is not a concept. He is someone. If I don't have him filling the role of someone to whom I turn, who has qualities, I will turn to the princes. I will turn to whoever the authorities of my world are who claim to be in charge, who keep on dying in spite of their claims. The end of verse 7 there. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. Every one of those is Yahweh sets the prisoners free. Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. Yahweh lifts up those who are bowed down. Yahweh loves the righteous Yahweh watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Yahweh is doing this. You're identifying when you say in verse 2, my God, who is your God? Don't let Christendom do this to you. Don't let, in a rush to historic Christianity, you be stripped of the power to have a God. Stripped of what that allowance does for you. It doesn't just produce great singing of his praises. Clear knowledge of what those things are. But it keeps you from trusting the world too much. We're supposed to benefit from the world, but our trust should be commensurate with their strength. Our hope should be looking over the horizon at God and what God is bringing down. So, who is the God who does that? Well, Yahweh sets the prisoners free. Did he set you free? Did he, not it, not the gas steaming upward, did he set you free? Did he open your eyes? Has he ever lifted you up? Does he smile on your goodness? 
Do the things that threaten you. We always pray for travel mercies here at the church. Is that just a politeness that we're doing? I, want to, I wanted so-and-so to know that we care that they're driving to Seattle today. And so really we're not expecting the living God to look down on Othello and go, hmm, better watch out for that. The saints are praying for so-and-so's trip to Seattle. There's a car wreck at Othello in the fog. Does God care? Is God even wakeable? We don't want to end up like the priests of Baal, dancing around our altars, cutting ourselves with knives, crying out to our God that isn't there or won't listen, and have real Christians, the Elijahs of this world, call down fire from heaven. We don't want to look you could be a sincere, religious, really sincere and religious about all these things, about the Christian pantheon, about the legends, about the rituals. You could, be, you could have a world filled with a God that is not adequately Yahweh. Because you're not thinking about who he is this way. Freedom, sight, lifted up, righteousness, threat. We are the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Does your God, do you view your God that way, where he is watching not just the car wrecking Othello as you're starting off on your way to Seattle, but he's looking at the bad people in this town who would do bad things and says, I'm not just, you might say, blessing the righteous, but I'm ruining the wicked. Not in a path or a fiction that you write for them, but the one God's writing for them. Do you believe in that God? The Lord will reign forever, says Yahweh, will reign forever. Thy God, O Zion, to all generations, praise Yahweh. This is like team spirit. This is like Denver Broncos, go. Just this God not generic God, this God. The one with whom we have to do, yet for us there is one God. Jesus Christ says it himself, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. Meditate as you have time. on what role the divine takes in your consciousness, or what role does the divine take in the choices you make when I think of a need for help, hope, origins, what he is like. Do I have a God that if there was no Christian or Jewish history, if I discovered this God, what kind of temple would I build for him? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your continued mercies, your continued faithfulness. Even when we are unrighteous, your graces and your kindness are there, ever-present for us, your mercies, your forgiveness. You are everything a God ought to be, nothing we'd really invent. We'd ask that you, 
Yahweh would minister yourself as you are yourself to us so that we would understand what it is to know the divine, that we would sing your praises, we would turn to you, and we'd lift up the things that you wish to have lifted up. We'd like to praise your name for all that you are. In your son's name we pray. Amen.